The heat is on this week on Renew Gurus. there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy, policy, and politics in Missouri and beyond. My name is James Owen. I'm the executive director of Renew Missouri, uh, joining uh, Beaming into Space from the palatial Renew Missouri studios here in Columbia, Missouri. Matt Patterson running James. the boards. James, how are you? Well, I'm great. How are you? Well, just perfect. I'm not eating beef jerky during this uh, podcast this week, so I hope that makes you feel better. I appreciate it. It's hard to uh, edit out the uh, beef jerky sounds. Yeah, to uh, to uh, to uh, to lift the curtain a little bit on our uh, process here. Uh, last <coughs> last time we uh, did this, which we were talking about amber gas, I got enamored with a bag of beef jerky and I was eating it, um, which is really not rude. Which is really rude and unprofessional. So I won't be doing that today. So uh, also quietly sitting in our studio is Dalton Archer. He's going to be our, uh, he is going to be working on legislative issues uh, for Renew Missouri. We say hello. Hello podcast world. Great. Okay. Here you go. But our special guest today, uh, and this is actually a first because um, this is your second appearance, Jeff Mark. And you're the first person that doesn't work here who I've forced to come on this podcast. <laughs> um, Jeff Mark, as, uh, for all of you who don't remember, is the chief economist for the Office of Public Counsel. My old job. Actually, I know Bill Maher says that whenever he has like somebody really impressive on a show. I actually say I used to do that job. I didn't used to be chief economist. I used to be public counsel. And we used to work together there for that uh, 12 months that I was public counsel for the state of Missouri before I was ingloriously fired. Uh, but we like having you on because you are um, really up to date on some very exciting issues. You're uh, knowledgeable on all these things. So it's good to have you back. Well, thanks, James. Um, beef jerky, huh? Yeah. Was it a, a name brand or? No, I think actually Tim Opitz, who's our general counsel, did his family make it? I think so. I think they did. Yeah, it was homemade. homemade beef jerky, which I could not resist. Oh, I bet you that was good. It was great. Yeah. We're out. Oh sorry. We're out. <laughs> I literally ate all of it during that podcast. <coughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with the Opitz, uh, uh, yeah. I guess, fast meat. Yeah. Our, our general counsel lives on his, uh, I guess he lives uh, on the farm, farm of his right. in-laws. And they are like well-regarded beef farmers here in Missouri. So yeah. if you're going to get beef from there, it's going to be good. They call themselves Abracadabra because I think that uh, their name is Abramowitz. But that's what everyone calls it because they can't pronounce their name. Abracadabra. Well, that's clever. Yeah, they're clever people. Um, so, them a good plug. So but yeah, like, enough about yeah, them. Enough Maybe about they should be paying me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you're here because... Um, well, because we're we're actually have a big case coming up, um, as all of you know, or I think we'll just reiterate it. Uh, you know, we have these cases before the Public Service Commission. They're the ones who make decisions on things involving investor-owned utilities. Uh, Jeff works for a, the Office of Public Counsel, which is involved with almost every case in front of the Public Service Commission. We have to get permission to intervene, and we're generally only uh, involved with energy cases, a few gas cases. But we have something coming up at the end of September. Can City Power and Light uh, are wanting to get approval for some energy efficiency programs, their budget for these energy efficiency programs. We call that MIA. It's based on the Missouri Energy Efficiency Investment Act, which means that the utility companies can get a rate of return on the, um, on, on the energy efficiency programs they offer. Um, and that's supposed to be set at the end of September. You, your office, my office, we're both involved with that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it has it's, been going on forever, hasn't it? <laughs> man, that is an understatement. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this like literally over a year ago. We were. Yeah. And now these usually don't last that long. They don't. Right. Now, I mean, so I, I guess we can get into this a little bit because we have a specific thing we want to talk about, but I want to get some context in this first is that, okay, so. Kansas City Power and Light filed this case. They asked for a number of things. 
Uh, there are parties such as Renew and OPC who want them to do other things. Um, and there are also regulators involved with this. I, I will uh, cite the Public Service Commission staff. That's the neutral body of regulators who are supposed to analyze this to make sure the uh, public interest is being balanced. That's what they would say. Um, and they've got concerns about these programs. So we've been going back and forth, back and forth. We put this on ice for a little bit to try to figure this out. We didn't get it figured out. <laughs> and now we've got a hearing set in September. Did I cover that pretty much? No, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good uh, overview of the, the past calendar year. Yeah. It, it's, it has been more than a year. But what we're talking about here is, is effectively about a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, I mean, I can sit here and say, like, oh, my gosh, we spent all this time on this one case. But this is a big case. It is a big case, yeah. I mean, we're talking about, yeah, it's a lot of money. Um, and, you know, for KCPNL, they, um, you know, we just went got through this with Ameren, Missouri. It sounds like we might have a MIA filing with Liberty Utilities coming up here at the beginning of next year. They've never come in with one of these. Kansas City Power & Light has this program. And there's different components to it. There's there's the normal, I mean, industrial customers aren't involved with these cases, but residential customers, small businesses are. There's a low income component to this. We have different programs for low income ratepayers. Uh, so there's a lot that we have to juggle with this, isn't there? Yeah. And, you know, for, for the listeners here, it might just help to understand just an overview of what we talk about with, yeah. with, with energy efficiency yeah. investments. And really, really what that is, um, at its most simple level, it is customer side efficiency. So, yeah. end use measures. And what do we mean by that? Light bulbs, HVACs, for, no, not furnaces. We're an electric company. So, right. heat pumps, uh, insulation, um, any sort of weatherization that's done to a home. All Sealants. Of thermostats yeah right yeah so collectively all of those items there um if we aggressively and say we the utility in this case if yeah. the utility aggressively pushes and promotes these measures uh and tries to get those measures within their customer's household ideally it reduces energy use and peak time use yeah now the, the, it's a fair question why would a utility want to do that mm, i was about to ask that question you well, want me to answer it? <laughs> you were looking at me like I was going to say something, but I can say it. Well, go ahead. Okay. Well, because this law, MIA, right. says that uh, their programs, they get a rate of return. I mean, one of the big things that utility companies that are regulated by the state, uh, when they build something or they have capital investments, they have to get reimbursed for that, and they get a rate of return. And that is... Eh, I guess it's anywhere from nine to ten percent. I mean, that right now that's the trend, um, and you know, and so they like to build things. They always come in. They want to build this or that or the other. But with energy efficiency, it's tough because they're technically not producing as much of the product they're selling. Right. So they have a perverse incentive not to engage in energy efficiency. So this law is designed to try to uh, undo that perversion. And give them an incentive to do energy efficiency. Well, that, that's a really good good description, I think, of, of oh, Mia. I mean, really, thank it, you. It, it, James. I mean, <laughs> it, as you as you know, I mean, utilities essentially make money doing one of two things. Yeah. Uh, by using your product, right? Yeah. Uh, turning on the lights, you're going to consume more energy. We yeah. get the revenues off of that. Right. And by building things. Yes. Right. And which is weird for people to think about, but it is. Yeah. That's how it's set up. And I know a lot of people say, like, well, that's a bad way to set it up. It's like, well, I'm not. I mean, there's other ways to do it. I know, but that's right. how we right. do it here. Yeah, that, that that's probably one. You know, at least one more podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we could have you on here like every week, I think, but then I'm not sure that really like accomplishes what you're supposed to be doing for your employer. <laughs> I'm sure the state of Missouri would be thrilled to see that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that is that's a different subject. But but, but 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 Mia, you know, really eats at those two objectives. Yeah, um, you know, because if you're putting in efficient light bulbs and furnaces and thermostats and and, and so forth, you're using less energy. Yeah, you're using less the product. And as a result, if you're using less of the product, then you're not going to be building more because there's going to be less of a demand. Right. right? And, now, and, everyone, and you might be out there and say, oh, my gosh, James and Jeff, that sounds like a great idea. Who could possibly be against that? Well, I mean, there are nuances in the law. 
because the law is just nothing but nuances. I mean, basically, they've got to do this where it's actually going to be, like, avoiding other costs, right? That's right. Yeah, that's called avoiding costs. Avoiding costs. <laughs> Aptly named. <laughs> it is actually one of the few things in uh, utility rate making that's not more complicated than it should be. But that is a hang-up. That's a hang-up for your office. It is. It's a hang-up for the PSC staff. And frankly, it's, I mean, I guess to an extent we care about it because you all care about it. And we want to make sure that uh, they're actually offering things that are going to be useful to people. That is true. Uh, because there are some, <laughs> tell me if you've heard this, there are some energy efficiency programs that the utility companies don't spend the money they're supposed to be spending on. We're dealing with that on another utility right now. I don't know if I can talk about it, so I'm not going to say any names. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's a reality is that yeah. um, sometimes best intentions don't always play out. Lead you to hell. <laughs> is that how that goes? No, it's something like that. <laughs> it's something no, like that, yeah. yes. Yeah, no, I mean, but, like, the idea is it's supposed to be saving money, too. Right, right. Right, for the utility. Because, I mean, like, the one thing that, I mean, you all, your group is, your office is designed to watch out for ratepayers, the public. That's correct. Now, I remember when I was public counsel, I made the argument that's what the Public Service Commission was supposed to do as well. But their basis is they're supposed to weigh the interests of the public and the utility company. That's what they say they're supposed to be doing. I have heard that. We have heard that. I, some may agree with that or not. I'm not going to take a position on it now because it's not my fight. But um, they they have they have come down on this. They've not really ever been a fan of this statute. Is that safe to say? May I'll say it. You know, I, I'm not going to speak for staff. Um, I'll I'll say for, from our office, or for at least not, I'll say from my perspective, I'm not the biggest fan. No, of I know the statute, you're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But the I mean, but the Public Service Commission is a creature. Creature. A creature of statutes. Sure. They're a statue creature. I was going to say creatures. <laughs> uh, they are a creature of statute. They follow what the statute says. Now, I guess the other thing that's important here from your perspective is this is a voluntary program. Yes. Nobody is required to come in and do a MIA program. That's true. Um, so the utility companies choose to do this. Aaron and KCP and all are the only two that have. We have three investor-owned electric utilities in the state that can take advantage of this. In, uh, Liberty Utilities, I keep wanting to call it Empire because old habits die hard. Uh, they're pretty small. They've never really pursued this. A lot of people have said it's never really been like economically feasible for them to do so. They, but, they, they actually have uh, tried twice. Oh boy, that 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 I'm gonna get I'm gonna get emails from that. People say I don't do any show prop. Well it's alright. They're no, right, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I should. When did they do that? Oh when did they come the last time they were in was probably about four years ago. Uh, they they Empire twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. They came in with a man? Yes. Yeah, I keep uh, calling it a Mia like it's like a thing. Like I mean, I keep saying like they did a Mia, they do a Mia. It's like they came in with a Mia portfolio proposal. And I, you know, the biggest problem with Empire uh, or Liberty in operating in Joplin is it, it. I mean, literally, is a smaller utility. Mm -hmm. um, it's also largely rural. Yeah. So, well, it's. I mean, I can say this because I am one. They were built a long time ago in 1903 to to provide power to kill people. To kill people? A hill people, like hillbillies. <laughs> well, that, that makes more sense. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Right? I didn't tell you to kill gophers. Um, golfers. Uh, I golfers, just screwed right, up that yeah. reference, too. Sorry. Um, that was a Caddyshack joke. Um, no. Okay, I mean, because they, okay, so it, Liberty is in southwest Missouri, which is 180,000 customers there. Right. They are also, like, in a, a, in a county in Arkansas. They're in a few counties in Oklahoma, and they're in a few counties in southeastern Kansas. That's right. That's hill people. Hill people, yes. My people. Yes. Scotch-Irish hillbillies. Right, right. I come from Kentucky, or at least, like, my, my, my grandparents uh, come from Kentucky. Uh, we, that's what we are. And like, and, and, and one of the things that Empire used to do was when, like, you know, the big cities, they got electric providers, but nobody would go into the country. That's right. 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 And, I mean, until FDR did the REA mm -hmm. and you had co-ops get established, they were very reluctant to do it. But Empire was doing it all the way back in 1903. So it is rural. It's hilly. Uh, it's poor. It is. Uh, it's a relatively poor, speaking. Relatively speaking. 
Yeah, I mean, and the biggest city in that district is Joplin, which is about 50,000 people. So it's not like bustling. I mean, it kind of goes close to Springfield, but Springfield's got its own utility. Yeah, Springfield's bigger than Joplin. I mean, oh, Columbia's yeah. bigger than Joplin. Columbia's bigger than... I mean, yeah. Um, it's probably more on par. It's probably a little bit bigger than Jeff City. I could do this all day. St. Joseph is bigger than Joplin. <laughs> and I think <laughs> Cape Girardeau and Joplin are about the same size. Okay. But yeah. yes, it is... In Jefferson City, it's about 40,000 people. About, yeah, a little more. A little more than that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's bigger than Jefferson City. But it's also, like, right there on the Oklahoma border. Um, there is a couple interstates that go through there. It's near kind of the northwest part of Arkansas where you've got Walmart headquarters and everything that goes along with Walmart, which has became actually, which has actually become pretty um, urbane to a certain degree because, like, if you go down there, they've got uh, people who've moved. Like, the thing about Walmart, and wow, we are really off on what we were talking about, <laughs> they make all of their vendors have an office in Bentonville. Right. So, if you want to do business with Walmart, you have to be physically located in Bentonville. That includes having employees there. So, if you go to Bentonville or Rogers or Fayetteville, you will meet people, because I have friends who live down there. You will meet people who have moved there from San Francisco, New York, Boston, and they're looking around thinking, where am I? But... In response to that, they've opened up a lot of, like, upscale shopping. There's art museums there. There's concerts. Everything. So they try to make it accessible for people in Arkansas. So why, we're... Why we're I'm talking uh, about this. I don't know. Sorry. What... what there, there's, there's a... <laughs> what's the nation in the Middle East that, that functions essentially the same way? Oh, like... Uh, uh, oh, Like uh, Dubai? Dubai. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're bringing all these outside contractors. Yes. I remember watching the 60 Minutes on Dubai, and it was... They had, you know, like Western-style malls. They have, like, you know, indoor ski... Yeah, uh, like ski mountains right? and stuff, and they build islands. They're insanely, ridiculously rich there. It's crazy to think that that same concept is a, is being applied to... Arkansas. Northern Arkansas, right? Yeah, but it is. Yeah, because, you're right. Because you're people right. have moved there, sure. and they are there because it is a lot of money. Right. Walmart is a big business. But, yeah, that's not very far from Joplin. It, it, it isn't. Um, <laughs> I'm moving this back. Yeah, and, you know, the, 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 the thing with Empire and their, their previous me applications yeah. and what, why they fell short uh, was in part the the rationale behind aggressively pursuing demand-side management programs, or EMEA, right. is that you're deferring future investment, mm -hmm. right? You don't need to build that coal plant. You don't right. need to invest more in the distribution system. Right. Because coal plants are expensive. Sure. They, Nuclear they are. plants are expensive. They I are. mean, let's just be honest. If you're going to build a utility-scale wind farm or solar array, that's pretty expensive, too. It's all expensive. It is all expensive. Um, that was my mom calling. No, just kidding. Well, tell her to say hi. I will. Okay. She, I owe her money. <laughs> it's okay. She doesn't listen to this podcast. You were saying. Well, <laughs> if, if you look at, at, at what was taking place five years ago, and I, I would even argue even today, um, yeah. Empire didn't need the investment. Right. So using rebating a HVAC at that point, yeah. uh, that HVAC would die. Its useful life would be shorter than that phantom coal plant. Uh -huh. So you weren't actually deferring anything uh -huh. in that case. Okay. And that's essentially why Empire hasn't had a MIA to right. date. But we're actually working on that, right? We're working on it. Yeah. We're working on it. And it's rare uh, that our office and your office can agree on certain things. I mean, we are often at um, odds on certain topics. But with stuff that Liberty is proposing, with stuff involving KCPNL, ah, I brought it back. We went all the way to Dubai, back to KCPNL. But um, there are things that we want to see KCPL do, and we've been working on it. Well, James, I, I think what, what, what's sort of fascinating about this discussion is everything we talked about Empire yeah. is really applicable to the KCPL case yeah. that we're in right now. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's where the Missouri Public Service Commission staff and, and our office, at least in, in the most recently filed testimony, pointed out. Right. Is that that avoided cost isn't there. Per what's taking place in the market, right? Where their future capital investments are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of 
Senate Bill 564 that recently passed. Oh boy, am I! And yeah. you know, here's <laughs> this. This is a really sweeping bill. Yeah. You know that is aggressively pursuing uh, investment mm-hmm. in the distribution and transmission system. So we have a bill that's incentivizing utilities to spend money on planned investment, and yet we had this older bill, MIA, that's designed around deferring investment. Mm-hmm. So trying to wrestle those two has proven to be a bit of a challenge to date with, with Kansas City Power and Light. But there were a couple unique things that are, I would, I would characterize as outside-the-box thinking uh-huh. um, yeah. that we, we have uh, teed up in this case to, to explore. Yeah. Now, one of them is pay-as-you-save, pays, and I don't... Have we ever done a podcast on that? I know we've talked about it. Probably. Pace, we Pace. have. Pay as you Pace say. Is saying, we've talked about it. We've talked we've, about it. We've done it. And we probably need to do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Um, because it is something that is a, a, a goal of our organization. It's been something I've been interested in since you sold me on it back in 2016 at the Office of Public Council. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting uh, way of getting people to make energy efficiency improvements. But what I'm interested in talking about sure. today is this other outside-the-box thing, which is involving urban heat islands. That's right. Urban okay. heat islands. Now, Jeff Mark, Office of Public Council, Chief Economist, what is an urban heat island? Ah, so an urban heat island, the, the best explanation I could give you is an example. James, do you remember being a kid and hot summer day, walking around uh, barefoot, mm. and all of a sudden you stepped on blacktop? Well, I didn't have a lot of blacktop where I was, but I, I get what you mean. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah. Right? And the, the, It burns. And if, if you've done it enough, one of the things that you'll you'll notice is that you'll jump to those white lines. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's really a phenomenon that's taking place with the urban heat island. Okay. Right? Yeah. So it's lack of vegetation. Yeah. It's a black surface area. Yeah. And it generates and attracts more heat. Right. So, okay, like as an example, okay, with well, let's just talk about KCPNL. You're talking about Kansas City. Kansas yes. City's got a lot of buildings. It's got a lot of street. It's got a lot of asphalt. So much asphalt. So much asphalt. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is, if you go to any part of Kansas City, uh, and there's not, I mean, other than unless you're at a park, or, um, I mean, you're talking about, like, there's no vegetation. Kansas City has one of the largest urban heat island uh, in the United States. Is that right? That's true. Well, wait a minute. Why is that? I mean, like, okay, so I know New York has, I mean, I've read a lot about New York City's urban heat island, but like Kansas City's not like one of the biggest urban centers in the country. That's true. So why does it have like this, why is it trapping more heat in its urban areas and other cities? Well, it, that, that's a, that, it's a loaded question that, that can go, that becomes a lot more complex. Uh, but in general, what I would say is that there just is not a lot of vegetation. Okay. There's just a ton of concrete. There's a ton of asphalt. Uh, there's not a lot of trees. And there's not, you there's know. There's a lot of parking. There is a lot of parking. Yeah, because it's interesting. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, I mean, Boston, as right. an example. Uh, big city. Uh, there's a big park in the middle of sure. downtown. Right. Um, same with New York, actually. There's a big park in the middle of that town. Yeah, I mean, I guess Kansas City doesn't really have that. I guess St. Louis kind of does. Forest Park. They have Forest Park. Right. Um, so I guess, I am thinking about it, like, I guess Kansas City is just a lot of concrete and glass and steel and... Yeah, the, the hot, humid weather, you know, add, adds to that as well, just that Midwest temperature. Yeah, uh, but, but is, 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 I guess it's Kansas City that humid. I mean, I know you always hear about St. Louis being really humid. Right. Because of the Mississippi River and the Missouri River. And Kansas City has the Missouri River going through there as well as the Kansas River. So I guess you have a lot of, lot of water there. Right, right. And, you know, the, the, the key thing with an urban heat island is that um, – Overall, that temperature within that island, say the urban area, can yeah. get anywhere from you know a couple degrees to up as much as ten degrees hotter than just outside the city. Okay, so this is a matter of we're talking about this heat gets trapped there, right, and makes it just hotter. I mean, so like you're talking in Kansas City, is it ten degrees hotter there than it would be in other parts of the city? On uh, well, ten degrees would be an extreme. 
But yeah. On, on a peak summer day, it has the potential to get that hot. And I think probably for, for you know your listeners, the more important point I would say is that if this is left unmitigated, yeah, it's going to get worse. And I guess because this is always the biggest problem you've got with any environmental issue or anything like that, if you don't live in downtown Kansas City, or you don't work in downtown Kansas City, why should this matter to anyone? Sure. And really, that's where the urban heat island, uh, as far as an issue, really gained interest from our office's perspective. Right. Right? Because we're sitting here dealing with that first problem of MIA. Yeah. How do you justify MIA if the avoided costs aren't there? How do you justify moving forward with something if we're not actually deferring something? And that really goes back to this, oper- this the, the concept of opportunity cost. Yeah. Right? So how can we Ooh, maximize? We're using economic terms now. How can we maximize, <laughs> you know, the, the the finite dollars that we have? What the urban heat island essentially does is it's it's a problem now that we've mm-hmm. put in there, right? And that Mia Square can fit into that box. Ah, right. So yeah. the, the concept of Mia and what 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 I would I would caution and say is that. When we teed up the urban heat island, you know, we looked at it as this isn't something that could be accomplished through efficient light bulbs alone. Right, right, This isn't right, something right. That, that just insulation is going to take care of the urban heat island. Yeah. In <clears> fact, <throat> to really tackle the urban heat island, you need a coordinated effort that really delivers uh, outside-the-box measures. And what I mean by that is stuff like cool roofs, yeah. green, green roofs, solar roofs. It means vegetation. It means trees, increased number of, uh, of just soil. Yeah, because okay, you mentioned, okay. Right. Because I want to make sure we connect the dots here. Because, okay, if you're talking about urban heat islands, making it hotter in your urban core, that means you got to use more air conditioning. It does. And that means that you're being inefficient. Right. And so you're talking about we need to take steps to mitigate this to make sure that we're not wasting all that. Because, I mean, you're talking about, like, big structures in downtown Kansas City, skyscrapers, yeah, so, Sprint Center. So think about how many people live in Kansas City, work in Kansas City, that are using energy in Kansas City. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Sure. And let's say we increase the overall temperature for that subset. Yes. Right? Right. So that is putting more of a strain on the distribution system, on the grid, the electric grid, mm-hmm. which in turn is driving up the market prices the wholesale market prices, oh, ultimately, yeah. that all customers are paying into. Which is why everyone should care about this. Absolutely. Right. right. So this is why a farmer just outside of Kansas City is actually impacted yeah. indirectly, or in this case, directly. Who hates Kansas City Through anyway. increased cost, yes. Well, let's be honest with you. I, I'm, from the, I'm from the country. They <laughs> hate the cities. And they just hate everything that happens there. And now they hate the fact that it might be driving up their electricity bill. It would be, right. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So then you start going through this list of things that can be used to deal with it. Now, you mentioned white roofs. Yes, yeah. Okay. Cool roofs, right. Cool roofs. Okay, well, explain to me, like, what is that? I mean, like, what... Okay, you're talking about, like, you're literally talking about painting a roof, yes? That, that is an option. That is an option. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting here is in California, they had actually passed a, a, a law, and whatever the numbers has long since escaped me, but mm, right. um, for all new construction in California, it needs to adhere to either a, a solar roof or a cool roof. Right, okay. moving forward. Right. And the idea there is to mitigate, again, that, that urban heat island, which is... A lot of a lot of the work that we've seen has has come out of California yeah, okay. in that area. But a cool roof would essentially decrease your overall uh, HVAC use, mm, um, your overall temperature, make it the, the house itself cooler than it yeah. otherwise would be. Uh, now, there's a penalty associated with this, and if we've got any gas executives listening, this is you know where where their there ears might might, might, might might be perking up. <laughs> the the penalty is this: that it, it would probably be mean that you would be spending more on your heating bill than you otherwise would. Oh, right, because that that black roof would be is attracting heat in the winter time. Okay, that's going to be heating your home. But is it safe to say this urban heat issue is more of an energy suck? Than what you're seeing in the winter when it gets cold. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We we think the the reduction in peak usage on the summer use. Yeah. More than offsets the increase on the heating side in yeah. the winter time. And you also talk about solar roofs. I mean, is that basically putting solar panels on some of these larger buildings? Yeah. You know, and 
like what I would say is that a lot of the work around the urban heat island, the phenomenon itself has been around for a long, long time. And Since we've, we've had urban centers, I right. would imagine, right? Yeah. And, we've, and we've, asphalt and all these other modern contraptions, right? Yes. Ever since yes. you've been able to drive your jalopy <laughs> through a through a nicely paved road, right? That's that's exactly it. That was my example of like a of narrator and like one of those old newsreels. Sorry. Oh, the, the visual's great. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, you almost felt like you were there, right? So you know, <laughs> it, 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 anything that that's going to help mitigate that in theory would would bring that temperature down. The the, the key here is going to be scale. So, yeah. you know, it, getting one roof here, one roof there, it might have an impact for that direct user. Yep. Whether that translates to, to benefits for all users, it probably won't. Well, but if you have like a skyscraper, like you're talking about like a big building in downtown Kansas City. It's got, you know, hundreds of people working there and it's got all these different levels. I mean, those like spend a lot of money on power. They do. Yeah. They do. Um, but like a solar, like you're talking about like putting solar onto roofs. I mean, okay, well, there's some challenges there because one, um, I mean, I know that Amron's doing this in St. Louis. They're putting solar rays like a Barnes Jewish Hospital. They're using that power. But, I mean, they don't want that power to go directly to those customers there that the roof is on, right? They'd just be using it, right? That's right. Because law is limits how much uh, how much you can, if, you have a, if you're a solar customer, how much you can use on your array. Um, and also, but also, I mean, your office has concerns about utility companies building that stuff and whether they need that extra power. So do you think that solar roof, the solar roof aspect of this, like kind of takes care of other concerns you've got about that? Did I ask that question very well? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I think it's a fair question. And, uh, the answer to it is I don't know yet. We don't know yet. Yeah, and in the, I, I think that's it, it, it's a work in progress. Um, what's the most cost-effective way to reduce the overall temperature within an urban heat island? Uh -huh. I can tell you, just paint is cheaper than a solar panel. Uh, you know. Yes, I right? mean that's that's right. Right. Uh, now, are there you know? Secondary and tertiary benefits from sticking a solar panel on there as opposed to painting a roof mm -hmm. white? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and at what point does one make more sense over the other? Uh, is this a complicated question? Yeah. One thing I would point out that, that is really fascinating is, you know, we speak a lot about just like overall health benefits that are associated with something. You know, obviously, if, if you're... If you've Energy ever, efficiency is a big thing for us with public health. Well, sure. and if you're yeah. increasing the temperature of an urban area by 10 degrees, that's going to have an impact, positive impact on overall health of, of that city, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the chances of, of people going into the emergency room, you yeah. know, heat stroke and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it's a big problem for elderly folks. It's a big problem for kids. Yes. Um, Ill, people who are sick anyway. Um, now, I guess one question I have, and this kind of ties into my thing about vegetation, well, the utility companies don't own these buildings. They don't own these areas where you put this vegetation. How do you get people to do that? Oh, my gosh. That, that's, that's a great question. And it's something that we Thank struggled you. with. Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, because, I mean, it, it, and I don't, I can tell you what we, what I proposed in, in, in this case. And let me preface it by saying I'm not necessarily married to it. Uh, and I, I would welcome ideas on this. What we proposed was... Um, that the utility go ahead and, well, let me step back and give you a little background on, on the Kansas City urban heat island in particular. Uh, a lot of work has gone into this well before we ever came across right. it. Uh, the Mid-America Regional Council, which is a, a quasi-governmental entity uh -huh. yeah. in, in, out of Kansas City that, yeah. that deals with a lot of federal funding, mostly transportation, but mm -hmm. all sorts of other things. Uh, and they oversee about nine different counties on the Kansas and Missouri border. Uh, yeah. Had received a, a huge federal grant uh, from the Department of Energy a few years back and from the White House mm -hmm. uh, as, as one of the, the future clean cities. Uh, oh, yeah. Out of that process, um, a, a need to address this urban heat island came about. Uh, researchers from Lawrence Berkeley National <clears throat> Natural Lawrence Berkeley Labs uh, became involved in it uh -huh. uh, and conducted uh, what is ultimately turning out to be an eight-part white paper on the urban heat island for the greater Kansas City area. 
So what they oh. did was model not only um, what the current issues are, but what the potential uh, remedies are, and also uh, what would happen if it's left unabated. Hmm. Uh, now, from our perspective, wow, like all of that research is already done. Yeah. Like it should be a plug and play for an issue like EMEA. Right. So the question is, is where does the utility become involved in this? Mm -hmm. How does, right. and for me, the issue is the utilities are in a unique position from a corporate social responsibility, but also from a bottom line dollar yeah. to take advantage of being good corporate citizens and addressing this issue, being at the forefront of it. I think this happens as a combination of, of, of a coordinated effort between local government, mm -hmm. nonprofits, right, and the city itself. Uh -huh. and ultimately, what we had teed up was for the utility to explore funding streams, whether those mm -hmm. were through you know donations and, or other solicitation from other corporate actors that operate out of the city of Kansas City. So it wouldn't even be something that like the rate payers of Kansas City Power and Light would be on the hook for. That's right. So if let's say the and I'll, I'll give you two examples. One, um, city of New York is a really good example of this. Yeah. So New York's moved forward with a lot of uh, urban heat island mitigation efforts. Uh huh. Yeah. Those are all being funded by nonprofits, outside sources, uh, corporate actors. Mm -hmm. If Kansas City, KCPL could put the same sort of effort into attracting those corporate dollars. Yeah. From our perspective, that would merit a return on investment. Oh, so if, okay. and what we proposed was, was a 10% return on investment, which if you remember from the beginning of this podcast is on the top end of, that's of right. investments that's out there. So what does that mean for KCPL? Well, if KCPL raises a dollar, then they would get a 10% return on that dollar. Yeah. So that's $1 going into urban heat island mitigation, 10 cents out of ratepayer earnings opportunity that would they would right. be realized through their bill. If they raised $100 million, they would get $10 million of pure profit. But think about that for from a ratepayer perspective. You have $100 million now going towards mitigating the overall future temperature of that city area. Yeah. And from our perspective, that's that's a great return on your investment. Plus the indirect benefits of of everything. Health. My gosh, yeah, go I mean, right on down the line. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that you can't really put the price tag on, which is why we regulate things. James, <laughs> I, I'm I am so excited about this. We have had three separate conversations uh, and collaboratives with uh, national actors, local actors, right. uh, regulators. Uh, you and I talk about this a lot. We do. We do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that the possibilities here uh, are, are endless. I can tell you we, we've, been, we've had discussions with uh, a Danish company uh, oh. yeah, that uh, had introduced uh, satellite imagery. So we could essentially look at where the most bang for your buck, where exactly within that GIS, Kansas City greater area, we could hit mm -hmm. to have the most return. I mean, there's there's a lot of like technology is an amazing thing, and yeah. what we can do in being able to to utilize those resources should do some good. Yeah. Well, that also sounds great. Who could possibly be against that? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Comment. No. <laughs> Listen, I don't pretend to have all the answers here. I, I right. think conceptually this makes sense. Uh, I feel I like mean, a lot of the legwork's already been done. You had to. I mean, to be fair. You had to sell me on this a little bit because I was like, why would the utility, like, why would, how much is this going to do is right. what my initial right. thought was. Uh, but then I started reading some of the stuff you sent me. I was like, oh, wow, this is like a big deal. It is. Um, and I started thinking like, well, yeah, we should totally be in favor of something like this. And uh, so we started saying that utility, in addition to this conversation we were already having about pay as you save, which you might also recall, and they just, I mean, I don't know if it's like just beyond their interest or like they just don't, I mean, it's a general sense I have the KCPNL and a lot of utilities don't like it unless it's their idea. Because a lot of people are like that. They want to be... Yeah, I think that's human nature. Yeah, I don't think that's anything... I'm trying to say anything slam against the utility companies. No, right, right. Uh, I'm just saying that like that's generally a problem that people... If it's not something that they can work out in their head, 
like they they did it themselves. Are like, well, wait a minute, I don't I don't get this. So I mean, I, I don't you know. know. Listen, uh, in I think our office has been critical of, of the past in the past with, with some of KCPL's efforts. But I, I will. I mean, hand, frankly, your job is it, to that, be that is our job, right? <laughs> but I, I will hand it to them that of, of all the utilities. Uh, their their corporate culture seems to really actively produce, pursue outside the box thinking. Uh, so if yeah. there was a utility that could see the merit in something like an urban heat island, yeah, I, I think it's them. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I feel about Pays as well because we they I mean we'll get back to this in a minute, but like they did this whole study. They were required to buy right. a, uh, an order from the BSE, which like laid out all these benefits that KCPNL would get from it. And I mean to me, I was like, well, of course they'll do this. I mean. I know they think I don't like them. I was no. going to put this out there. They don't like. They think I don't like them. That's not true. I mean, I, I think that of all the utilities, we, this group, ever since I've taken over, has like the toughest relationship with them than I do with Liberty or with even Ameren. Interesting. Uh, who, which, which is interesting because Ameren doesn't use as much renewable energy as KCPNL does because KCPNL like gets a lot of power from wind. But it's but I think that it's just I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just a difficult person, but I do like what they do. Okay. I do like a lot of what they do. I do like the fact that they do get a lot of their power from wind. I do like like some of the stuff that they've done as far as like they you know, we've got the this low income community solar project they're gonna be pursuing before their next rate case. We think that's amazing. And I like I mean I think that they can be sold on this. I mean I just don't we just haven't got it done yet. Right. And maybe we won't. It's tough. It, it, the, the, the sausage making that, that takes place behind the scenes to, yeah. to, to get something approved yeah. uh, is, is complex. I mean, that's an understatement. It really. is. Yeah. And I hear all these people say, like, well, I mean, it just it makes it all this stuff is done secretly. It's like, well, no, it's not done secretly because all these different public interests are sitting there at the table. And they've been allowed to intervene, and they and we represent, you know, this renewable energy efficiency component of it. You represent, I mean, to me, you represent the public. Industrial customers are there. Um, you know, it's not being done privately. It's being done based on the rules. We couldn't have these in open settings because that would just be madness. I would absolutely agree with 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 this holistic uh, philosophy that that that's kind of surrounds all of this. When you look at something like the urban heat island, mm-hmm. it's not just the utility, it's not just the repair advocate and the environmentalist. Think of all the other actors that are directly impacted by this. Yeah. Right? The city yeah. of Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, it's, it's overall image. It's overall health yeah. and well-being. Because uh, its wa- image, I think, is still of a cow town. Man, but they're, I think they're doing a great job. I think they're doing it. better. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I think if maybe, you look maybe, at... Maybe from, like, the... The... Coast? The, yeah, the coast, yeah. the elitist there. I mean, yeah, but I don't think they... I don't think people look at it like they do, like, Chicago or Minneapolis. Yeah, let's... That, that's... A, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I, that's just what I think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they still... Ha- I mean, I think they've gone a long way. You see a lot of businesses there, a lot of startups. Um, I think there's a lot of promise. But I also think there's a belief that it's just, eh, it's in the state that it, doing goofy stuff and Kansas is goofy, you know. I mean, because most people think it's in Kansas, by the way. That that is true. Have you ever been to a concert in Kansas City and they're like, hey, it's great to see you, Kansas, and everyone's like, no, <laughs> you suck, <laughs> yeah, and then they just get mad because they're like, we really don't care where you are, like we're just here to make money off of you. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I think it's like kind of just a Midwestern town. Right. But I don't, but like if you go there, you don't see that. I see a lot of potential there. And I think, but I do think it is a constant struggle to constantly try to convince people that you are moving ahead. Well, you know, that be that as it may, uh, this would be something that would definitely, I think, improve that image. Yeah. Uh, and you know. Just to illustrate another corporate actor or another actor, maybe not a corporate actor in this case, but the water utility. So Kansas City is a, is a municipal right. water utility, yeah. right? So you're asking yourself, why would the municipal water utility care about the urban heat island? Well, I'll tell you why, James. I mean, one of the nice things about the urban heat island is the increased vegetation, which we really haven't yeah. talked a whole lot about, right? right? That's true. When, when it rains, uh, water, if it's exposed to just pavement, right? Yeah. It's not 
draining into the soil. Water. Right, it, it, it's wastewater, yeah. and that's yeah. that's water that's collecting all of the oils and all the other pollutants that's on the road right now, mm-hmm. yeah. and then going down in your sewer system. Right. And that sewer system, right, needs to be cleaned. Yep. And the chemicals that need to be treated that, and that's yep. all very expensive. Very. Right. They also so, use a lot of electricity to do all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all it all it all ties together, in together. Right? It's a circle yeah. of life, mm-hmm. and. Oh. <laughs> Yes. So in, in, in this case, is there something Swahili for this? No, <laughs> the 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 Kansas City <laughs> Municipal Water System obviously has a vested interest in making of sure course. that that yeah. we're able to mitigate their expenses. Right. So that's something that it's 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 a win win win, right? Yeah. You know, quote the Michael Scott here, right? Uh, <laughs> you 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 cover it all. Yeah. I love this idea. <laughs> I do. I, I want to see it happen. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who are kind of at a point where they're just like, well, we just need to try this case. I mean, and, and typically I feel like these things always get resolved when we settle them. Yeah. Uh, this might get settled. I have no idea. I've seen crazier things happen, but I think this is probably heading to a hearing. Uh, you know, I mean, like... 24th. Yeah, what's today's date? It's, it's, it's September the 3rd? It's 4th. It's a 4th. We have Isn't 19 it? days it before we get a hearing? Yeah, I should get ready. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually have been talking about this today. Yeah. Because uh, we have, like, somebody that is uh, going to be coming up to talk about pays. Yes. From Camden, Arkansas. And if you're wondering where Camden, Arkansas is, I can tell you it's in the middle of nowhere. Because it's going to be hard to get this person to Columbia or to Jefferson City from there. You know, I am so... If anyone's got any tips, email me about I'm, that. I'm so happy that you, that Renew Missouri has taken the the steps to make that happen. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what's what's unique about getting a, a largely rural Arkansas cooperative yeah. executive to go ahead and opine on pays? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, to me, I think it makes sense because it's not some someone from California or New York coming in to say, like, well, I can tell you all what to do in Missouri. That means like, yeah. in, in almost the worst environment to go ahead and get energy efficiency adoption, Yeah, it's been successful. It's in the Arkansas Delta, which is massively poor, uh, is massively isolated. People live, like, you know, miles between each other. If they can do it, surely KCPL could do it. Yes, KCPNL. I know you can do it. <laughs> If you're listening, <laughs> which when you find out what this is about, I bet you are. But, um, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I do. I think, I mean, I, I'm convinced that this is like a really good program. I'm convinced that the urban heat island mitigation is going to work. Um, yeah, and I just like it because it is a unique solution that's not that expensive. Right. Well, hell, oh, pardon my French. Uh, pay as you save is that this stuff makes some money. I know, I know. It's not. It's not. It's not that it's like saving money. It's making money. Right. What do I have to say? What else do I have to do? I'll tap dance. I'll. I'll. I'll do whatever. If you've got, if you've got the consumer advocate office, uh, the most prominent environmental yeah group. I mean, that's. Two groups that don't historically always see eye to eye. We don't, which is why it's, oh, I mean, like, always they're like, well, how did you go from public counsel to here? It's like, oh, because they hired me. But, I mean, you know, uh, and I was fired from the other job. Uh, you know, but, I mean, like, but, I mean, you know, this is, I mean, it still takes the same skills to represent Absolutely. different interests. But there are things that we agree on. And here's the other thing, too. I think that, you know, one of the unfair things that we get kind of roped into is that, uh, uh, renewable energy is kind of perceived as being a more expensive alternative. I know it's expensive to build, but ultimately, buying renewable energy is still pretty cheap. Um, and I know that, like, transitioning from our traditional system of, like, coal and nuclear, that's expensive. And that is, unfortunately, something that I don't want to see passed on to residential customers. I don't want to see it passed on to anybody, really. Um, nor do we. Nor do you. Um, but, I mean, I have to say, like, that's an irrelevant point to me because I just want to see renewable energy and energy efficiency, like, move forward in the state. You all have to, like, kind of serve as pumping the brakes on that to say, like, wait a minute, this is going to be expensive. There are people who um, uh, don't have that ability to pay that. I mean, because really people, some people don't. Right. It's easy for right. me to sit here, like, we're both 
we both got advanced degrees. We make a decent amount of money. I mean, we could be making more money doing something else, but we make a decent amount of money. And, you know, we can pay our utility bill. There are a lot of people who can't. It is hard out there. It is. It is and it's hard. And it's going to get harder. Right. Right. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I just, yeah. So, and like, to me, like, and I, the point I'm trying to make with this is where it seems like your office and my group can come to to make sense on this is energy efficiency. Because that is ultimately an investment in something that doesn't require you to build anything. Not necessarily. Um, and I think it does save people money. It does save resources. And that's why I like it so much. That's why I ultimately see Renew Missouri moving more and more towards that work as opposed, I mean, we still do a lot of renewable work. But no doubt. Energy well, efficiency is the future. I'll my. double down on it. And that's, that's why I like pay so much is that for, for energy efficiency to work, I mean, Quite honestly, you got to have some disposable cash. You, 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 the customer, have to make some sort of investment into that HVAC, yeah. right? That insulation. It's not all being covered. It's not just a straight up, you know, hundred percent. Right. So, but most people don't. Right. Most people just don't have two thousand dollars. No, around, they don't. Right? They don't. I mean, they don't have like the deal with a five hundred dollar emergency. Most people. Most people wait until the unit fails. That's right. Right. And then they panic. Right. Yeah, or Which, the, or or when they're about to buy a home, I would argue, right? That's the only uh, yeah. time like people really seriously consider those sort of investments. Yeah, and then they can put it in part of the closing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we we should be nailing both of those markets. Pays takes care of the first one. Yeah, it does. I mean, it really does. Oh, uh, we should do a podcast about pays. I don't know why I didn't have you come in here and talk about that. Uh, actually, I guess when Mark Casey's here, maybe I should. You should do Mark. Yeah. I should do Mark Casey. He's a great he, speaker. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I saw him speak at a thing, uh, the Rural Energy Conference in Atlanta last fall. We were on a panel together, and I don't even remember what I was talking about. But like, he got he started talking. And I was like, Why did any of us? <laughs> why did the rest of us talk? I know. Like we were just there talking theoretically, and he's actually been in the trenches doing this. And I feel like I've got to work, you know, 110 just to keep up. Somebody like Mark's just natural. It's just boom. Yeah. That guy's just a great speaker. And he sounds like a normal person. Yeah. You go to some of these conferences, and these people all sound very impressive. They sound very polished. Uh, and But it doesn't sound very realistic. Yeah. You know who I'm talking You know who the people I'm talking about. Mark Casey gets in there, and he's like, he sounds like a guy from the Arkansas Delta. And he talks about what he talks about in such a straightforward way. You're like, well, what idiot wouldn't do this? Right. You know right. what I mean? And like, that's, I mean, and that's why I like him. And that's why I think that in a conservative state like Missouri, you have to have people like him who have come from another conservative state who has had the similar challenges that like, say, a cooperative in Missouri has had. Or the Kansas City Power and Light has in their rural areas because they um, because they don't just do Kansas City. They are all over the place. They're in St. Joseph. They're in, you know, they're in rural parts of Missouri. It's a great lesson. I mean, at the end of the day, we, you know, in investor-owned utilities, and I don't think I'm, I'm out of line by saying this, but, you know, ultimately, you know, they're obviously risk-averse um, for, for good reason. But they do have a, a lemming-like tendency or predisposition to just follow in line and yes. not get outside of that box. Mark went ahead and essentially looked at his rural cooperative there and said, how can we empower our customers? Right. How can we empower our customers because it's a rural cooperative, Yeah. right? If they're not good, we're They're not member good. owners. Right. Right. You know, that's a valuable lesson that we see. It's easily transferable to something in KCPL with yeah. this base program. And ultimately with the other utilities too. Yeah. I mean, Amherst, Missouri starting to look at, at pays. They have got an RFP out there. That's that's my understanding is that they're planning on having a, an RFP uh, with <coughs> feedback by mid-October. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's right. And uh, with the hope of having a program start started 2020. Liberty's been teasing it. They did. They did. Uh, we've had some filings that have suggested that that's going to be something we're going to be looking at there. And I think that we're going to see it in Missouri. I'm we need convinced to. I'm gonna, we're going to see it in Missouri. I, this is like the one consistent thing I've been working on in like over three years I've been doing this work in Missouri. And I, I'm i going to make this happen. Right. Because I don't, not because I think it's a, I, just because I want to see it done. I think it's a good idea. You, you know, 
Yes, it, it's it, it's a preemptive measure. I'll, I'll even throw this out there. You look at what took place here in the past year in Iowa. Mm-hmm. You look at what yeah. took place in Ohio, right? I mean, at the end of the day, how Missouri doesn't fall into that trap. With uh, the bailouts and with the, like, cutting of the energy efficiency yeah, stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Is to empower customers. And that's, right. that's essentially what, what pays does. I mean, if, if you do believe in energy efficiency, then I don't see how you could not be behind pays. I haven't heard a lot of, like, political chatter against energy efficiency, though. In Missouri? Yeah, except unless it comes to pace. I hear it with that because there's a lot of other things that go along with that. But I Death mean, by acronyms, I swear. Um, <laughs> we get more creative with how I, we describe I, stuff. I swear I, I can't believe it hasn't killed me yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there, there has been some pushback on pace, which is a different... Which is different, which is, and we've really talked about it, we, and, and we've talked about it in a couple of different podcasts here because it it was under attack in the legislature. It's under attack at the city of Springfield right now. I the reason that's right. Yeah, I, I read that. I read that late is because I was on the phone talking about it, um, and I, we're trying to work on it. I just had like a supporter of mine, a supporter of mine, like who just texted me. Well, she Facebook messaged me and say like, "Well, you guys got to do something about this because this is worse than a payday loan." That's what they said about pace, and this is like the 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 rhetoric going on out there. Oh wow! Yeah, and this is like someone who is inclined to be like pro clean energy and all this other stuff, and you know, I mean, it is the language that's gotten out there that people just want to say like, well, this is bad. It's easy to say anything's bad. It's harder to make the argument that something is good. It is. It is. I mean. Trust me, in Jefferson City, it's easier to kill something than to make something happen. I mean, that is a reality. And that's a reality in almost any legislative process, though. I'm not trying to say that's unique to Jefferson City, but that's the reality here. And it's going to be, I think it's easy to kill pace. I think it's going to be hard to, because I've been doing this for a couple of years, to say, like, well, yeah, it's a good policy. It's a good program. We need to make it better. And here's how we can make it better. So, bleh. Yeah. I quit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't quit. It, it's it, it's a marathon, right? It is. And, like, it's one that doesn't ever seem to stop. And, like, I just keep running and running and running. Like, all these other lobbyists, like, get a couple months break. And I've, like, literally, the like, the week after the legislative session, I was doing, um, what were we working on? I think we were working on this case, actually. I know, right? Okay. Uh, oh, and we also filed those goofy, we those uh, rules on... Uh, Purpa that everybody else hates. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we started doing that. So we've done a podcast on that too. Um, so yeah, we just we do it to ourselves. Yeah, what, there's what's, so much what's, to what's, do. What's, what's Camus say? One must imagine Sifis is happy, right? Yeah, I mean it's I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's everything's crazy right now. We could do a whole podcast on the politics of all of this and all the going on, but then we'd both be fired. Because there's all this other stuff going on too. It's there, there's a lot of stuff. It's allegedly, yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 it moves quick. We might have some new commissioners, maybe. Uh, that's I've, I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, there's like I mean, people are. I mean, there's one commissioner that's like kind of passed their term, um, and there's no like, term ends this month. And I mean, it's possible we'll have two new commissioners like soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I, that is true. By um, the end of the year, I bet. That's what we've been thinking. So I don't know. Yeah, um, and uh, if if that comes to fruition, no doubt that'll present new challenges and opportunities. Uh, yes, well, every right? problem pro- presents a new solution, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Turn that frown upside down. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what Mr. Optimism, that's what they call me. Yeah. <laughs> no one calls me that. Dalton, get ready. This is going to be a miserable experience working here. <laughs> Did um, you see the, the study about Optimus, though? Did uh, they live longer? Do they? They do. Yeah, big Good big, for big, them. Big, big, big journal, yeah. Wait, what journal was this? Oh, some what scientific journal. What crackpot nonsense was yeah, this? Yeah, optimists live longer. Optimists live longer. Yeah. Wait, I can't... Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think of an example here. Uh, I, you're, um, if, if people are listening, go, go ahead and Google it. Google optimists live longer. You'll, you'll, you'll see. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to think of like people I know that are much older. I guess maybe they are optimistic. Yeah. They have something to live for. I really just want to live to see my enemies perish. <laughs> no, just kidding. I know, I know that's not true. Um, before I go any further down that road, Jeff, Mark, anything else you want to plug? Uh, 
I've had you on here for a very long time. No, and, I, yeah, I, I think we covered a lot. Oh I my did. gosh, you've been on here for over an hour. Oh boy. I okay. had PJ Wilson on here. I think you've been on here as long as PJ Wilson was. Okay, well, thank you for my time. Uh, would love to come You're back. You're welcome and, for your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, uh, let's make this happen again. Well, always, no. It's always enjoyable. Yeah, I know. Right? We didn't even spend a bunch of time talking about movies like we did the last time, which That's I think true. we didn't edit everything out because we wanted this whole thing about Home Alone because it was around Christmas. I was actually talking to David Woodsmall last night about Oh, you home, mean with MECG's uh, uh, David Woodsmall. Yes, uh, he represents a, a lot of industrial customers yes, here he in Missouri, does. but about Coen Brothers. Well, we, I, I sent him my list of ranked Coen Brother movies. Yeah, we, I, well, we know what number one is. Yeah, Raising Arizona is my Arizona, all-time favorite right. film, period. I told him about I, and this is true. I watched True Grit the other night. Have you ever seen it before? Oh, yeah. The, the remake. Yeah, just, yeah, the remake. Yeah, just with just uh, Jeff Bridges, it's Matt great. Damon. Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's so much better than the John Wayne version. Would I be lame just saying No Country for Old Men is my favorite Coen brother? No. No, I don't think. I mean, it's a little cold. It is. But, I mean, it's Cormac McCarthy. It's uh, yeah. cold to... A pleasant thing to say. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, oh my gosh, Javier Bardem's great in it. And I love the fact that, like, and I know we're going to edit all this out, but I mean, I love the fact that, like, most of it's a silent movie. Did you ever read Blood Meridian? No. Oh my God. No, I've never really read much Cormac McCarthy. Well, that's the one you got to read. That's that, the one that, I that's, read. His, that's his opus there. You know, that's... I finally read Watchmen. I got it done over the weekend. Oh, wow. The yeah. comic book. When's, in, when's the show coming out? In of in September, probably around the same time KCPL Mia starts coming up. So I'll miss the premiere because I'll be go. getting ready for this. Who watches The Watchmen, right? Who, I mean, oh my gosh, that comic book is so messed up. Yes, it is. I mean, you want to talk about like paranoia, panic, political uncertainty, all this stuff that we seem like we're dealing. Yeah, all this stuff we're dealing with right now. Right. right. This was in 1985 when this book came out, and I think it's just as relevant as it was then. The, the the TV show looks promising. The TV show looks promising. I'm still a fan of the movie. The Zack Snyder directed. I like that movie a lot. I can see why people, now that I've read the ending of the book, I understand why people don't like the ending of the movie. Yeah. Because it's way different. It is. It is. And, like, really not quite as morally problematic as the ending of the book, if you like that sort of thing. Which, if we're talking about the Coen brothers, morally problematic is right up my alley. <laughs> as far as my... Um, as far as my preference in movies, like I, I was actually reading someone said something about they don't like a TV show because they don't like the characters, and I'm like, what? Well, it was Succession. I don't know if you watched. Oh Succession, yeah, I've watched Succession. Which I yeah. love Succession, but I was thinking to myself, if I like ruled out all the TV shows or movies that I've liked because I didn't like the characters, I wouldn't watch anything probably. Yeah, that most would of the be... movies I like have got unlikable characters in them. We could do a podcast just on TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. We why just, don't just, why just aren't we HBO doing HBO shows? HBO shows. The Wire. Uh, yeah, Wire's great. The Sopranos is great. Um, Deadwood. Rome. Well, I mean, I you know a show that I just fell in love with, Barry. Oh, Barry's Bill, great. Bill Hader is great. Uh, Succession, I'm a big fan of right now. So I just started watching uh, Gemstone. The Righteous Gemstones. Righteous Gemstones. Yes. Yeah, so good. You know, and I love, I love everything. Danny McBride, John Goodman. Uh, that's probably the St. Louis in me that just. Well, he also he went to Missouri State. Yeah, he's a Springfield guy. He he's, he's in Springfield a lot. Like he's a very involved alumni down there. Yeah, he's great. You will see him. He's lost a lot of weight. He has. He has. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he's he's really good in the show. He's really good in the show, and he's more very dramatic. The show's got a lot of seriousness in it, which is surprising. But um, you know, yeah. like Danny McBride, and uh, is it Adam? What's his name? Who's the brother in it? Um, he's been in a... Oh, he's from the modern. guy from Workaholics. Um, Divine... Adam Divine. Adam, Adam Divine. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he he's plays the same character in everything. He's he's good in this. But he though. is a great character. And Walter Goggins showed, Goggins showed up in this last episode, and he's a national treasure as far as I'm concerned. Yes, He the plays Shield. like the brother-in-law. He's in The Shield. He was in Vice Principals. He was in The Hateful Eight. He was in Django Unchained. Um, God, he's amazing. And he plays like a great character in the show. Yeah, he plays yeah, like definitely. John Goodman's brother-in-law or something like that. I think. You know, yeah. speaking about John Goodman, I have uh, Roseanne's one of those shows that I keep on in the background if, if I'm working. It's which yeah. is a really underrated show. Like the, I mean, I didn't watch the the reboot, but I, I didn't watched either, the but, um, but the original. It's gosh. got some great working class stuff in it. Like yeah. literally, like some of the writers on it, like Alan Ball. 
Uh, I think even Charlie Kaufman was a writer on it. I mean, they had like really solid writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that from the writing. It's like, it's really well done and serious. Roseanne Barr was like a really good stand-up back in the day before she went completely QAnon crazy. She's a QAnon person. Have you ever read... Dalton, you're you're, you're kind of a... You know QAnon? The conspiracy? Really? Oh, wow. Well, we'll okay, talk about well, that off yeah. mic. I, it's I, I me- might. I might. It's I messed up. It's really that. weird. These people are really nuts. Have you ever read any Chuck <laughs> Klosterman? Who? Chuck Klosterman? No. Oh, my What's gosh. That? Really? No. Oh, he's like a writer specifically for you. Really? Yeah. He, Klosterman's <laughs> got a great essay on, on Roseanne. Oh, it's, okay. It's essentially, the argument is that it's, you know... It's one of the best TV shows ever. It lays out the, the rationale. I think for it. being it, it's you know kind of being akin to All in the Family is not unreasonable to say. Yeah, I mean, I, you know I think it's like as good and well written as that show was, right. and well acted as that show was. I think Roseanne was right up there with it. Um, and then things kind of went odd at the end. Was she? Was, it was the drugs? It was Tom Arnold. I mean, it was all that stuff. Like, I mean, she got wrapped up in her celebrity and her fame and there's a lot of drugs and alcohol that go along with that. I don't think I'm speaking libelously of them or slanderously right. of them. That's all in there. Like Tom Arnold talk about how much coke he does. He's pretty open about that. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating interview that guy. Yeah. I mean like higher security. But like he was I would love to see him like <laughs> in another movie. Yeah. Think how yeah. good he was in true lies. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Anyway what were we talking about? <laughs> Heat Islands. Heat Islands. Heat Islands. I think we were yeah. talking about Dubai as well. No, yeah. and uh, Joplin and Bentonville. And this has been a roller coaster. It has, like usual. I. It is such a pleasure to have you on here. I am glad that we are uh, friends and that we can talk about this stuff and uh, work on this stuff and talk about movies. Because yeah. we could have done a whole... We should actually... We should do this movie thing and have Wood Small on there talk about Coen Brothers stuff. That's a great idea. Like, literally three people would listen to it. I think the three of us are the three of us, right? (laughs) But I think it would still be pretty fun. Yeah. All right. Okay. Folks, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, This has been Renew Gurus. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, write a positive review, share this on your social media sites, and uh, we will see you next time on the radio.